Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. He makes the magic happen for the athletic. He's Bruce Feldman with us here on The Big Show. Bruce, thank you very much for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Good to be on with you. Yeah, it's a, it's the perfect day to have you on because uh, there is a lot happening around here. And let's uh, let's start with BYU to the Big Twelve, Bruce. What do you think this does for uh, not only their football program but their athletic department? You know what I I saw the, this point made earlier today, and I can't disagree with it that it might be the best basketball conference now in the country, and that is a good side you know side perk. Because you always hear about an 80-20 in terms of it's football and it's, it's other. But I think certainly it's, it's good on all fronts, I think, for BYU. I think it's really good for the Big 12. Um, I, I think this was a great outcome for the Big 12, considering what happened you know, less than two months ago with the news of Texas and OU leaving. So now you have... You know, four pretty defined brands, in BYU's case, one that is very defined, certainly more so than I would say, you know, where Houston is at this point or even the other two schools. But you have a big following, a big fan base, and I think also it opens up a different market. Um, and you have a program that is coming off a lot of success that has some visibility. I think it's, I think that's a, that's a big plus for Bob Bowles being the Big 12 to bring in. So, Bruce, when when Utah moved to the Pac-12, we saw it took them a little while to build up their talent, which is exactly what they've done. I mean, they're super competitive in that conference now. How do you think it's going to work with BYU? Uh, Will they be able to cover that ground quicker? Are they better prepared because they have been playing? Well, this year they play seven P5 teams. How do you think that will go for them? I think the way uh, Kalani has has developed and recruited there, I think that they have probably less of a gap to cover than maybe Utah did. Utah was going from, you know, ten double-digit win seasons in the Mountain West to I, – I know they had one pretty good year when they jumped into it, but then it was like I know they had five win and five wins – and maybe it was three or four years into it before they started really acclimated. I think what's different in this case is BYU take last year out, but they've played a bunch of, you know, power five schools along the way. And, you know, I feel like the positions to jump in there similarly, if not a little closer to where Utah was. Um, I think that if you were to slot them now compared to the rest of the big 12 Granted, now keep in mind, Texas and OU will be in it, or we expect will be in it that year. So Oklahoma, at this point, has been a legit playoff team consistently. Um, But if you take Oklahoma out, even if you take, let's say, what Sark is doing there, I feel like BYU isn't right now would be a top half of of the conference team in the Big 12. So, And I think that this should help them recruit especially it'll help them recruit in the state of Texas and in that footprint. So I think that those are all positive steps for them, but I I don't think it's like they're going to go in there and all of a sudden they're going to go three and six in league play. And, you know, there was a year where, where Utah went two and seven in the PAC 12. I don't see BYU doing that. I think BYU is at worst going to be a 500, if not like slightly better than that when they jump in there. Cause I think just that's how the, the, the program is built right now. 
You mentioned Texas and Oklahoma still contractually going to be in the league. Do you expect that, or or do you think a buyout will come sooner rather than later? I, you know, one of the things I had heard last week in our reporting at the Athletic about what's how this is shaping up was to get them in in 2023 would be a benefit because you do not want to be left at eight, and that would be if somehow Texas and OU could get out of there. Um, I don't want to say I'll believe it when I see it. I, I, it would not surprise me if Texas and OU were out in 2024. I don't know if they can turn it around that fast to get out of there. But, again, you know, if, if the SEC feels like it's the money to make it happen, and if you're Texas and OU especially, if it is so awkward to be in this league for – for three seasons at this, 2021, 2022, and then 2023. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll come to some kind of some kind of settlement. It's just hard to get a read on it right now because I think there's just so many dominoes that have to turn over and there's just so many balls up in the air. Bruce, Jake sometimes accuses me of being a literalist. Sometimes. You're always a literalist. A literalist. But the, the Big 12, I'm just – I've always been mathematically challenged, but I like the fact that there's 12 teams in the Big 12 now. I, I I don't know. Somehow that is satisfying. However, do you think that maybe in the future there might be more than 12? Are they done expanding? I don't think they're definitely done. I think they are done for now because I think it was important for them to have a big victory here and show stability and show that they are viable moving forward in the wake of the Texas and OU news. And I think with these four programs, I think they have shown that. To go from four to six and get six in, I think is, is, a, lot more, uh, is a lot more complicated. Um, but from talking to people in the Big 12, you know, I was told, you know what, there's a possibility down the road. You could be looking at Boise State. And by the way, Boise State geographically makes a lot of sense if you just added BYU, Boise State has a has a strong TV following in terms of they have an and they have an identity. People tune in to watch them. Another possibility is Memphis, which obviously has connections, um, you know, with some of these AAC programs, and certainly like even West Virginia in terms of how geographically how that could make sense and be a fit on that. You know, you add those two teams to the to the twelve that's already there. Yeah, the name is going to sound weird, but. You know, the Big 12 hasn't been 12 for a long time, so maybe it's just go the other way now. Talking about the rivalry, Bruce, uh, as you know, it's a huge deal around here. This is, you know, our, one of our biggest weeks of the year, of course, and, and people are, are super into it, and it's very unique. But how is this rivalry currently perceived nationally, do you think? that uh, you think that people out there in the college football world know what a big deal it is? Not honestly, not to the, I mean, I'm on the West coast, so I have a better feel for it maybe than I did if I was in the you know SEC country. Um, I think that people have definitely, I'd like to think given Kyle Whittingham's program, the respect it, it really deserves. I mean, one thing that I noticed more, one of the things that popped out at me from being a sideline reporter for a while is I've done a bunch of Utah games and I would love for anybody who's like, doesn't, you know, kind of maybe take them, you know, look at them in a certain light to see this team play at field level and to see how physical they are and how big they are. Um, and I think in the case of BYU, I feel like the brand of BYU football um, really got a lot of polish last year with Zach Wilson and the run they went on. They were fun to watch. They were um, they were very exciting and they obviously had star power to it. And I think what 
you know, was probably, uh, you know, unfortunate for them is because of how the pandemic was, it, it forced them to play a lesser schedule. It wasn't, obviously, that wasn't going to be their doing because if you look at their schedule, they've had a lot of big opponents on it. But in terms of the rivalry as opposed to these two programs individually, I don't honestly don't think enough people kind of get how big of a deal it is. I just think it's because it's in a part of the country where not in the SEC. So, it's not, so you're going to hear about, obviously, the Iron Bowl, and you're going to hear about Florida, Georgia. You're going to hear about some of those other things, whereas, you know, fair or unfair, this kind of gets lumped in with a lot of the stuff that you will feel for the Pac-12, where it's just it's on the other part of the, other part of the country. Um, I think it's one of the three best games that we're going to have this weekend, and I can't wait to see it tomorrow night. But, um, you know, again, and some of this also has to do with Utah has dominated the series for much of the last decade, and it's not it's been very one-sided. And I think if BYU starts winning some of these matchups, I think that would help the rivalry out a lot. Bruce, we want to ask you specifically about the game tomorrow night, but uh, a little aside question here. Speaking of uh, Zach Wilson and last year's BYU team, how do you think he'll do in the NFL? You know, I think he went into a really tough situation. It's the Jets, and I feel like it has been really mismanaged. I know it's got new leadership, but it's not like he has a great offensive line. I don't know how – How it's not like he's got a proven offensive coordinator there, and it's not like he's got great skill talent around him. I mean, and he's in a tough media market. Now, look, I, I do like some of the things he has said uh, since he's been there, which I feel like have been very – um, very smart and very, very uh, self-aware. And I think those those things are going to help him. But to me, if the expectations are so high and the, the support is, is shaky right there, so that's the part where I'm like, I don't know. So much of what, what happens with quarterbacks is out of their hands to some degree. It's about who their offensive coordinator is, what kind of system they have, what kind of offensive line they have, what kind of help around them they have. And all those things, I think, are are at best TBDs and more likely to be very, very suspect. So and based on that, you know, uh, I loved watching him play last year. He was a lot of fun. But, I mean, I don't know if the, the odds are all kind of stacked against him right now. Well, do you think uh, the Utes make it 10 in a row then coming up tomorrow night? Uh, I do. I, I think, you know, I think this is a really good team. It's really experienced that Kyle has. Um, obviously, it's a road game, but I do think they're going to make it 10 in a row. I think the defense is really, really good. Um, I know the spread is about a touchdown. I think I think Utah will be able to, to handle that and a little more. What do you think of Charlie Brewer? Liked watching him. I mean, he, he he had a terrific run in the Big 12. He's obviously played a ton of football. He's a really, really bright kid. Um, you know, I feel like he's got a good cast around him. I don't think people are going to expo- – when you're in the Big 12, especially down there the way it was, um, I think you have to win a lot of, you know, 38-31 kind of games. He's on a team now where I think he's going to have a lot more support on the defensive side of the ball, but he has a big offensive line, and he has two really good receivers. One of them, both of them are very versatile. You could do a lot with. I think because Charlie's really bright, I think he will be able to utilize them well. Um, I think it's a good fit, you know, and it's, honestly, I think he has some similarity with 
he had a lot of success under the old Baylor coach who's, you know, who's now in the NFL. And I think there's some, there's definitely, um, so there feel like some similarities in terms of identity and what they want in from Matt rule compared to Kyle Whittingham. So I think he went into a really good situation. You know, Bruce, with your national reach, uh, I, I'll just advise you and you may know this already, but keep your eye on that, that running back for Utah, Tavian Thomas. This guy looks like he might Utah, you know, they put out these running backs last year, uh, Ty Jordan and, and a tragic story there, but what a great player he was. But this, Jake, don't you think this Tavion Thomas could be the real deal? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, keep your eye on him. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's a good one to watch tomorrow night because, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, I got, you know, credit to Dennis Erickson. He found three, you know, elite players out of Hallandale, Florida. And I thought Zach Moss was such a, uh, such a physical runner and fit what they did. And, you know, you had you had that run where you had a bunch of injuries. I want to say it was maybe five years ago, where at one point it was like six running backs got hurt. But it just seems like they keep finding really good running backs, and some of these guys, um, you know, it's almost like they find some of them under people's noses. I know I know Zach Moss was committed to Miami at one point, but I just think that um, that's a good system if you're a running back to go go come out to go come out to a stadium that has a lot of. Uh, you know, has a has a fun game day atmosphere, and it's probably a lot different than part of the country than a lot of these kids come from. You know, BYU has a terrific running back too, Tyler Algier. Uh, but but here's the question, and you brought up Utah's defense: Will the Cougars be able to move the ball on the ground? That most teams can't do that against the Utes. I know. I, I mean, yeah, that's going to be the challenge. I mean, I I knew the the old OC at BYU and his O-line coach, Eric Matios, and I thought, you know, they were very excited about the guys they had last year. I know you have a little bit of turnover there, but they are up against such a big physical group. I, you know, when people talk about whether Utah could win the win the Pac-12, I think so much of it was because of the talent they had, especially on the front seven. And I think, you know, to me, that's going to be the issue. If they can run for over 130 yards uh, as a team, then I think they have a chance. To, they have a chance to pull an upset, but that's that's asking a lot. It's probably got to, you know, realistically got to get over 150 yards. I don't know who's doing that against these guys. Bruce, last thing from me. Um, why don't you do uh, kind of, I, I guess, give us a little preview of your latest uh, tomorrow. Uh, is the 20th uh, anniversary of September 11th, and uh, you've written uh, about uh, Coastal Carolina coach Jamie Chadwell and, and his wife, and as somebody who's married to a first-generation uh, Iranian-American Farsi speaker myself, uh, it, it hit home uh, with me. But give us a little preview of that, and I would encourage anybody to, to go out and read it. Uh, it's very timely and very good. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Jamie Chadwell is the coach at Coastal Carolina. Obviously, BYU fans and everyone knows this. After last year, they had a great run. He's a terrific coach. I didn't know much about him last year. And then um, I started reading about him a little bit. And this is in the off season, And found out that uh, his wife, who is from another, from a small town just like him in Tennessee, um, actually has a very different upbringing background than most people there certainly jamie chadwell did and as you said uh she she and her family escaped iran around the uh revolution there and at one point they were captured uh, by border patrol and and 
you know, had to go to stand trial and ended up settling in Tennessee. And so they met while she was a grad student athletic trainer uh, at East Tennessee State, and they just fell in love. And she, like, I don't think Jamie Chowell looked at her any differently. Her, you know, her complexion is darker, but I don't think he thought her background was any different maybe than his. And so the more she shared with him and about the customs, and as you said, she they spoke Farsi at home. She wanted to raise her children and wanted them to learn the language as well. And it was very eye-opening for Jamie Chadwell, and I thought what was really refreshing, because as you said, this story is on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this weekend, and so much about what Jamie had told me when we started talking about this, and I asked them, he said, you know, her she didn't experience really any racism growing up in this small town in Tennessee until after 9-11. And then all of a sudden this whole town that, knew her and the small town knew her and knew her family all of a sudden was super suspicious of her. They, they got a lot of, they dealt with a lot of stuff. Her father's business got vandalized. Um, there was a, a lot of ugliness came out. And so she talked about how important it was for Jamie as they were going to enter this marriage to, she had to know, are you always going to be here? And there's going to be stuff that you may be, may be oblivious to that. I may come home crying one day. Our kids may come home crying one day. And it was just, um, you know, the story I kind of took from there was about love and about his, his being open-minded and the things he learned and was willing to learn. And I don't know, it was one of those stories where when I talked to them, you could kind of feel, I can feel it now, like the hair on my arm is standing up just because I can hear both of them, how they what, how they describe their story, and I I grateful for them for trusting me with it because I didn't know really where I was going with the story, to be honest. When I started asking them, and um, so and I I do appreciate you uh, you mentioned. I know for a lot of people it may ring flat, and for a lot of other people it may you know may really resonate with them. And I just thought in this weekend of nine eleven where. So, you know, so many memories are there like this to me was this is a story about love and this is a story about understanding. And there was a lot of there was um, a lot of eyes opened up. And certainly, you know, here's this this guy from, a you know, Jamie Chadwell told me he grew up, went to a high school of 1500 students. There was one black student in the whole, you know, this was not a world that he was, he was not used to seeing quote unquote other. It was all, you know, through one perspective on his and he was not, he didn't have his eyes open to a lot of it. He didn't know much of it, but he, because his heart was there, he did. And, um, he's so, you know, he told me so grateful that he, you know, the family they've raised and how they're raising them. Well, Bruce, I thought it was great, and uh, I'll, I'll you relate to any of that? Too? Oh yeah, I uh, relate. It was it was a great piece. I certainly, yeah. I, I related to a lot of it. So uh, you know, right down to the the Farsi being spoken in her home and uh, how's her your, dad. How's your Farsi? My Farsi is not good. No, no, not good at all. In fact, <laughs> I don't uh, think but, Jamie's is that good either. To be honest, but but, but the kids my, is good. He said. My my father in law is funny because he'll he'll st- he's a he's a storyteller a storyteller. He's he's very, he loves to do it and he. He'll start out in English, and then he'll fade to Farsi. <laughs> and my wife will scold him and say, Dad, English, and he'll come back to English, although he'll pick up where he left off in Farsi. So I have to, like, I have to, you know, catch up with the whole thing. But, uh, I love, yeah, but I related to it. I love those it. kinds of stories, yeah. Bruce. I'm glad you did it. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Bruce, thank you for coming on. It's, a, it's always a pleasure, and you're always so nice to do it. Thank you very much. My pleasure, guys. Enjoy the games this weekend. 
You too. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Feldman um, writes for The Athletic. He's great. Um, in his preview of the weekend, he talked about BYU. Talk, give that a read. And uh, his story uh, uh, about Coach Chadwell was uh, was very good on the anniversary of 9-11. So go, go, give, go check that out. A couple great things from Bruce. So thanks to him for jumping on. 